0: Okay, so here we go. Hearing, hearing the voice of God, uh, part, part one. Uh, the reason um, it's not going, it, it is a three-parter, but it's not going to be um, sequential. Part one, part two, part three, because I think that hearing the, the voice of God is a very personalised thing, and so um, even if even if we had the three speakers that we had all sharing from the same scriptures, you would get totally different information, because there are principles with regard to hearing the voice of God. But it's also to do with um, our own journey with the Lord, the way that He speaks. Um, so uh, as I was as I was preparing for this over the last couple of weeks, I was thinking about the unfamiliar. And I was thinking about how these days the unfamiliar is is the familiar. It's becoming so familiar for us to be dealing with unfamiliar things. Like even if you just look. At the last two and a half years, the number of unfamiliar things. So uh, I was um, I was in I was in Auckland um, last Sunday. No, the Sunday before. The Sunday before, and I was of course talking to Aucklanders, and they had that very long lockdown. You know, they had a much longer lockdown than we dealt with, and and just hearing them talking about that, and that that you know that became. That's a very unfamiliar thing um, uh, I was talking to someone was someone was telling me this morning how important it is that that I'll be needing to go overseas sometime soon and I was like how unfamiliar that was and I don't even really know how that would how that would come about so um, in a time when normal feels like a distant memory, we become a lot less reliant on things that are familiar to us, and actually, a very good thing is it brings us to a place where we really do need to hear God, and it brings hearing the voice of God to the forefront, which can be, you know, when the when when normal seems like a distant memory, it can be very unsettling, and it has been very unsettling for a lot of people, but if we see it from the purpose, uh, from the point of view of the purpose of God, I think he's bringing us into a place where we actually have to hear his voice, yeah. Yeah. and we're You know, a lot more people are listening, and a lot more people, when you share the gospel, are very much more open to things of a spiritual nature now than they were two and a half years ago. I'm just in my own life. I'm I'm flabbergasted. I, I I walked down my driveway the other day to take the rubbish out, and then I bumped into the teenager that lives on in the house on the left hand side at the end of the drive. And I was asking about her grandmother that lives down the drive next door to us, who I hadn't seen for a little while. So I got to talk to her. And then a lady walked past. And I said, nice day for a walk. And she said, oh, yes, but I'm having trouble with my hip. And so I got to pray for her. I said, can I pray for you? She said, "Oh, that would be nice. And just, you know, you're just having all this, all this minister. I was still hanging on to the recycling bin, you know. And so um, so here's, here's been my question, really, for two and a half years. What if we aren't supposed to go back to normal? I don't know about you, but I don't want to go back to normal. What if God is leading us away from the familiarity and the security, quote unquote, of normal? And what if we can't navigate the future based on the assumptions of the past? Now, I'm not talking about biblical assumptions. I'm not talking even about long-held godly threads in our Society. I'm, I'm talking about the way that we have functioned, particularly in the church, the, the things that we have relied on. What about if we were never going to go back there? And what if God was leading us into, say, for example, totally new ways of how he provides for his people? What if he was leading us into totally different ways of functioning as his church? And of course you know in our in this fellowship here we've already experienced a large measure of that and um, and no disrespect to anybody anywhere I would still have taken that small gathering this morning over the much larger ones that we used to have in terms of walking away and feeling like anyway so um, I would suggest in all of this that we need to grow in our ability to hear his voice. And it doesn't matter whether we're in a good place of hearing his voice or whether, whether it's something that's difficult. We all want to grow in hearing God's voice. O- open your Bibles quickly to Psalm 23. This is a familiar passage, eh? So Psalm 23 And um, can someone read uh, verses uh, 1 through 6? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that just marvelous? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, you know it's, often, it's often considered to be uh, an appropriate reading for, um, for funerals. But actually, it's a living psalm, isn't it? I want to just draw your attention to three things. He makes me. He leads me. He guides me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He guides me along the right paths. And so what this paints a picture of Uh, is of a shepherd, a father, who is directing and leading the footsteps of his people. Uh, The reason I use this as an example is one of the most life-changing moments I ever had hearing God's voice was with those three words, he leads me. Uh, It was at a time, uh, it was in 2005, Uh, Tasha and I had recently moved from Auckland to Wellington in a very disorienting set of circumstances. And then shortly after that, I got roped into uh, going with a team of New Zealanders, ironically, mostly from Tauranga to uh, Kansas City. And so we're over there in Kansas City in 2000, might have been 2006, it was 2005-06. Very disorienting time in my life. I'd gone from from being the senior pastor of a church. <clears throat> now I was in this <clears throat> full-time itinerant role, and <clears throat> excuse me, it was, I was, very, it was quite disorienting. Um, and I remember, partly because of the jet lag, and partly because of feeling stressed out about the future, I was lying awake in the middle of the night in the basement bedroom at Aaron Walsh's parents' place in Kansas City. And I was lying there on the bed, staring into the darkness. It was in their basement, didn't have any windows, so it was pitch dark. You couldn't see a hand if you put it in front of your face. And I was lying there looking at the blackness, and I was just feeling stressed out. And suddenly I just heard the Lord say, He leads me. You know what that did? It suddenly disarmed all the stress that I had to work out where I was going, that I had to know the answers. Because, see, I have found there are many times... uh for me as a Christian, I'm sure this has happened to other people, particularly if you're in any leadership role where people say, what's the long-term vision? What's the 20-year plan? Can I tell you, I have never been able to come up with one. I've never never been able to do it. I've never been able to come up with the 20-year vision. Some people can, and, and, and good for them. I'm not knocking that, but here's, here's, what, I, here's, here's what I have found for me. Jeremiah 29.11, very familiar. Who knows that off the top of their head? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Notice it says, I know the plans I have for you. I've searched all through the scriptures and I cannot find a single place where he says, I know the plans and I will tell you them. I can't find a single place. He says, "I know the plans I have for you, I know my plans, I know my thoughts, I know the long-term plan, but it seems to me that our journey tends to be proverbs sixteen nine a man's heart a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So I don't know how it has been for you. I've often felt guilty that I haven't got a twenty year plan." I've never had a 20-year plan. I've had I've had dreams of things I want to see happen, but I've never been able to sit down and, and write the plan down. But I have seen the Lord in my life and in the lives of people I know well. I've seen him directing the steps. So to me, this paints a picture of a father who doesn't want to come with a great big dossier and say, here it is. Good luck but actually a father who says, let's walk together. I know the plans and I will make you, I will lead you, and I will guide you. And the stress that came off me that night lying in the dark in Aaron Walsh's parents' basement bedroom was immense. Just the level of it wasn't resting on me, but he leads me. So I believe that we have a Father who wants to walk with us and wants to lead us step by step, not just hand over a dossier and say, here it is, Simon, go for it, do that, and I'll see you at the end. But rather, I want to walk with you and I want to lead you step by step. Does anyone else in their own personal journey relate to that? Who else has struggled with the (laughs) 20-year? And have you ever felt guilty about that? Because it's almost like, well, What's wrong with you? you don't have a 20- year vision It, it certainly is a church leader when you don't have the 20 year vision, well, we're going to grow to this size and then we're going to grow to that size and we're going to build this and we're going to do that and and you you often get made you know a false responsibility. you feel you feel really deficient. So I think that God speaks a lot, and I think that hearing his voice is increasingly and will increasingly become, even, probably sounds a little dramatic, a a matter of life and death. Our greatest protection and our greatest provision is going to be found in hearing and obeying Him when we speak. Galatians 5.25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So even sometimes you're not going to be able to follow the direct example of those around, because, uh, like, uh, I remember hearing Bill Johnson speak about this once, to one person God says, I want you to get rid of your television, to another person, they have five televisions in their home and God never convicts them about it, to one person he says, give away all your money, (coughs) to another person in the same meeting, sit beside them, he says, start up a savings account, you know, it's, it's not one size fits all. So we're going to live by hearing his voice, not just, we can learn a lot, and we want to walk together, but not just by going, okay, that's the way it worked in so-and-so's life, so therefore I will do that. Because even in church life, that's got us into a pickle. We've, we've looked at large churches in main centers, and we've gone, well, that's the way it works. And so rather than developing in prayer a vision and following the leadership of the Lord, we just copy a model. Okay. Good. Let's uh, let's look at some Bible verses here. Uh, can someone can someone uh, look up uh, Ezekiel forty three one and two? By the way, uh, if you want, I'll just I'll give you f- the full copy of these notes too. You'll just we'll just make them available. We'll put them on the community notice board or something, and you can all have them. Someone else, Revelation 1, 12 through fifteen. And someone else, please, Daniel 10, 5 and 6. So we've got Ezekiel 43, 1 and 2. Revelation 1, 12 through 15. And Daniel 10, 5 and 6. So someone, who's got uh, Ezekiel 43? Oh, two options. You go, David. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east, and I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters, and the land was radiant with his glory. Wow! Okay, so say it again. What What was the sound, the description of his voice? His voice was like the roar of rushing waters. Have you ever have you ever stood beside the, the outlet from a hydro dam? <laughs> I've been stood by, beside the Clyde dam recently, or a few years ago, the one at Manapuri. I think that is probably, I just, I think that that's what comes to my mind. Okay, so God's voice is like what? The roar of rushing waters. Okay, who's got, uh, who's got Revelation 1? I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest the hair on his head was white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were like blazing fire his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Okay, so again, his voice is what? Sound of rushing waters. Okay, and uh, who's got Daniel chapter 10? I have. Oh, okay. Sorry she beat you to it, Keith. Yes. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysalis, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Okay. So in this one now, we've got what? The sound of a multitude. multitude. Picture a stadium. Picture a stadium roaring like the South Africans potentially Uh, overnight. Sorry, I I wasn't even aware that there was an all-black game. I've kind of lost... Funnily, I... Anyway. (laughs) There are a number of things I've lost interest in in the last two and a half years, and actually that's one of them. I just I've lost interest, don't even follow it, which is very unpatriotic. (laughs) So, these three verses, you could make the case that these three verses... We're in the spiritual realm, and in the spiritual realm, God's voice was loud. Yeah. There's obviously a crossover because they're in they're in these encounters. You know, in Revelation, John's on the island of Patmos. Said suddenly, I was in the spirit. I was in, I see it no, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and then he saw the Lord. So here we've got God's voice in the spiritual realm is in these instances quite loud. Someone look up. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. So one, king. 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. On. I'm, I'm on the old school. You turn the pages. Kind. <laughs> <laughs> Someone got it? 1, 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. Who's got that? Yeah. Someone got it? I've got it. Okay, go. Um, Thank you. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. Okay, still small voice, uh, transliteration of it is a gentle, quiet whisper. Yes. OK. So this those other three were in the spiritual realm. If you look at the context, they were in the spiritual realm. This one happened on a real mountain called Horeb, which is where Moses saw the burning bush. So this encounter happened in the natural realm. Oh. What's the difference? in the spiritual realm, those examples there, it's not to say that God doesn't have a whisper, but in in these spiritual realm passages, God's voice is loud. But in this natural realm example, and that's not to say that God will not shout in the natural realm, but in this example, God's voice is heard as a still small voice, a gentle, quiet whisper. So you can make the case that uh, biblically God's voice is often, usually, generally, I can't even think of an example where it isn't loud in the spiritual realm, but Elijah's hearing God's voice I think is a good picture for us, in a large part because Elijah is a good picture for us. Remember the Elijah, John the Baptist, Malachi, last days analogy that I laid out for you this morning? So I've heard people say, oh, because it's so annoying that it's hard to hear God's voice, I wish he would shout at me. I honestly don't think God shouts. I think God shouts for his kids. When Isaac was swimming in the National Champs before he got COVID, I, I, um, you, when you listen to the recording, you can hear me in the background yelling my lungs out. I cannot remember the last time I shouted yeah. at one of my kids. I'd love to tell you I've never done it, but I, I have at some point. I just can't remember when. Do I need to shout at you, Steve? Are you being naughty? <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> shout they across the road? Yes, yes. Yes, you do. I think that's what God does. Yep. Yeah. And I think he shouts and cheers. I, you know, I just yeah. sometimes, um, very subjectively, there are times when I'm preaching when you just know that you got a particular part right and it's almost like you can hear and it sounds a bit weird but it's like you can hear a chair from behind you and you're like someone like that it helps when you are aware of that if the people in front of you are all looking shell-shocked because <laughs> usually those two things happen at the same time I know that sounds really weird, but often you'll hear this. It's all it's probably you know maybe it's just my imagination, but often I'll hear this feeling like there's this roar of a great cloud of witnesses. But usually that happens at the same time when you've got people looking at you terrified in in the in the seats in front of you. And often when there's a shout and a clap over here, not so much. That anyway. Um. So my observation, really, which has grown in these last three three years, is I don't believe our loudest prophetic voices have necessarily served us as well as they might. Um, I believe one of the uh, I believe one of the most toxic things that has happened to the spiritual gift of leadership, or you could even say the apostolic, is connecting numbers. And money with spiritual success. I believe that has been toxic and I believe that social media profiles has been toxic to the prophetic and so um, especially in these last few years I believe our loudest prophetic voices have left many believers confused and fearful and vulnerable and you know I, I keep going back to this you know at the start of 2020 when all the Facebook prophets were declaring perfect 2020 vision, a year of vision and clarity and blessing and growth, and you're going to get younger and richer, and you're probably going to fly. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be making light of that. But when it was happening, I I just somehow, to me, did this happen to any of you? It just didn't ring. I was like, that just doesn't seem right. I had almost the total opposite Mm. Yeah, Yeah. well, that's I had that too, but I, I couldn't articulate. I was just like, 2020 vision, blessing increase. None of those things are bad. Who doesn't want that? So I told you, and I've told you this again and again, I went to Peter Robertson and I said, what are you seeing for the year ahead? And, uh, uh, and I just about had to crowbar it out of him because he said, oh, I don't really do that. And I said, I know, but I also know that you know some stuff. And so I kept crowbarring, and then I subsequently after he gave it to me, I had to crowbar out of him permission to share it anywhere. (laughs) Remember he said three things, January the 31st, 2020, remember where we were then, we were starting to hear of this term coronavirus, but I still was going off to America the next month, and Australia the next month, and all, you know, he said, I have a sense of foreboding about the year ahead, we're going to get hit with something Big. That's what he said. He said there's going to be shaking in the church that will then lead subsequently to separating within the church. And he said anything in the place that Jesus alone should occupy is going to be shaken, stripped, pulled down, and removed. So this was not widely circulated. It wasn't promoted. It didn't get lots of likes on Facebook because he never posted it on Facebook. It wasn't shouted in the streets. It was quiet and hidden and it was a little bit hard to find. Now, there are times to shout the things of God. That's biblical. Matthew 10, 27. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. But there's also times when we need to search and hunt for what he's saying. Jeremiah 20, 13. 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you search with all your heart. So in this time when we're surrounded by, and I'm not, dis- I love the prophet. I love the prophetic. But in this time, we're, in many cases, we are surrounded by shouting prophets that seem to be cutting and pasting. Well, I'll prophesy a blessing. Well, I'll prophesy a bigger blessing. Well, I'll prophesy a mega blessing. And, it, it, you know, there can be a, a component of that. Um, I believe my language, I believe God's using his indoor voice right now. And he's looking for those that are going to lean in and hear what he's saying. I believe that the authentic words of God right now are most particularly being spoken in his still small voice. And so I just want to share a few very, very simple practical things uh, from my journey with regard to hearing God's voice. I'd love to tell you I've got this all down. I haven't. And anyone that tells you they anyone that tells you they've they've got it all down or they have discovered an access to God that's not available to anybody else that's not fivefold because the fivefold equips the saints which means furnishes and and gives tools to the saints. I remember um, hearing years ago someone teaching on the fivefold saying the moment someone fivefold uh, is positioning them you're positioning them so that you can't do without them that's not fivefold. The 5 is always working to work, work themselves out of a job. And no disrespect to chiropractors, but uh, they use the example of the chiropractor. Once you go once, they say, now we'll see you every two weeks for the rest of your life. You know, and um, I mean, my osteopath did that too. So not impugning chiropractors at all. Okay. So uh, first bit of practical advice. Matthew 4.4. 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. I don't know if you remember, years ago, uh, my wife did a Bible study at church, and she talked about the word live. And she the three main words for live in the Bible are bios. Oops, sorry, I bumped the microphone. That's going to sound nice. Bios, your physical being. Psyche, your mind, will, and emotions, and zoe, your spiritual life, your life that cannot be separated from God. This is not saying man shall not bios, by bread alone, but by every word. It's not saying man shall not psyche, it's saying man shall not zoe, or some versions say uh, the word translates zeo, which basically means the same thing. It's saying when he speaks, we come alive on the inside. When he speaks, something happens on the inside that, that no other form of speaking can touch. When he speaks, I find out why I'm like I am. I find out who I am. Now, it doesn't necessarily make me comfortable. Now, I'll give you a classic example. Remember in, um, uh, in John chapter 6 where Jesus feeds the 5,000? And there's this great crowd, and they've had this miraculous meal of uh, of, of loaves and fishes, which was basically swiped from, from some little boy and then multiplied, and then 12 baskets were left over. And it says after that, a great multitude. So they fed the multitude, and then it says a great multitude. So the crowd got bigger, because you've got... You've got Jesus speaking, there's miracles happening, there's there's food being provided, and it says now a great multitude. It got bigger. And of course, you know his next message. John 6, Jesus said to them, verse 53, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. (laughs) And so it says the crowd began to grumble. Can you imagine it sounds he, he gives no explanation. He just makes this outlandish statement that sounds like cannibalism. And can you imagine the disciples that you know they've been getting excited, this great crowd is gathering and now this crowd is grumbling and dispersing. And what's Jesus response? He goes to the disciples and says, "So are you leaving too?" He doesn't go in a panic. he says, "Are you off?" And look at this, I love this, Simon Peter, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So you know what I reckon, and forgive me for those that have heard me say this before, I reckon Simon was going, I have no idea what you were just talking about. It's offensive to me culturally, it sounds gross, but... Even when I don't understand, when you speak, something happens in me, and I find out why I'm alive. That's good. So I think that hearing the voice of God and speaking the words of God is, from my point of view, is even one of the most valuable. Sorry, I'm preaching, aren't I? Settle down, Christian. I just get, I just have this, I just have this inferno inside me. I. It's yeah, it's Annette's fault <laughs> oh, just joking. that was just shifting the blame. We all know it was really Steve's fault um, I think that sharing the word of God is one of our greatest evangelistic tools because when he speaks, we come alive, yes. yeah it's amazing how like you just. You just have a simple word for someone in a cafe. And this is not just for, quote, profits. All of us. And you just, you you ask Oscar when he comes in two weeks, how often we'll be sitting in the coffee club on a Thursday morning. It's our weekly get-together. And we sit there and we talk about the things. You ask him how often I get up and wander off and go and accost some poor person sitting at another table. Because I just, it just happens. And it's amazing how... Eight times out of ten, immediately they've got tears in their eyes. Why? Because when he speaks, we come alive. Even if we don't understand what on earth he's talking about. Even if it's offensive to us. Even if it's offensive to us. Secondly, to Elijah, God's voice was a still, small voice. Implied in that is Elijah had to be quiet to hear it. I think sometimes what we've got to do is we've got to be very deliberate to turn down the internal racket. Years ago, uh, Tasha and I, this was when Courtney was a baby, we knew some people that had a batch at uh, Matapuri, not Manapuri in the South Island, Matapuri, which is a beautiful bay um, up north. And so these people offered us the use of their batch. We We were skint youth pastors back in those days, and um, didn't have two bob to rub together, couldn't afford holidays, but these people let us use their batch. So they gave us the address, and in those days you had to have a map, You remember the big fold-up map, and Tasha was holding it up in the car, and I'm driving over here looking around it, and we arrive at this place at Matapuri, and we arrive there in the car, and it's a lovely batch right on the beach, and we go inside. One of the first things I noticed, there's no television. It's like, okay, well, I don't watch a lot of television, so I was like, that's cool. Then I realized there was no stereo. There was no radio. There was nothing in the house that made noise. I had a cell phone, but it was one of those slim bricks, you know, that was about that big. It didn't, you couldn't play Spotify on it. There was nothing. It was so out of the way that the stereo in the car could only get a couple of dodgy AM radio stations. And so we get to this place and it's quiet. And the first night, you know, we're tired and we go off to sleep and you just sleep through the night. Second night, I'm going off to sleep and I lie down and I'm lying there and I hear God speak to me. And so I did what I always do when I feel like God speaks to me. I write it down. So I got up and I didn't have a, I do it on my computer now, but I got up and I wrote it down. And I was like, ah. Went back to bed, laid down, happened again. And this kept happening over and over and over again. And finally, I was like, wow, this place must be like Bethel. (laughs) You know, angels ascending and descending. And I I was like, Lord, what's the difference? And he said, you turn down the volume. I'm always speaking. I think he's always speaking. I just think sometimes I've got too much going on. There's too much of a racket going on in here. And you've got to actually deliberately turn down the volume, which is, again, why for me, that that time long before the sunset in the morning is so valuable to me. For those of you that have been to my house, I have two main spots. I either go to the chair over in the left-hand corner b- beside our crazy circle light, or I go and I sit in the bay window. And you sit in the bay window there, and you just sit, and sometimes I sit, and I'm just looking and staring at the stars, and just deliberately going, "Lord, I'm just listening," and it's silent. One of the advantages of being down a long drive or out in the country, it's dead silent. Well, I think that's a silly word. It's alive silent. When you turn down the volume, you just—it's amazing. And and we've got to be deliberate about it. Got to be deliberate about turning down the social media racket. Turning down the news racket. I've got to be careful. I can get addicted to the news. I've got to turn it down. I've got I've to turn down. I love our church. But there are times when I'll sit there in the morning and I'll say, Hope Center, I love you. Get out of the way. I'm not here for you. Step aside. Get out of the way. Because I'm just here. And that's, that's one of the things that I love about staring at the stars. You sit there and you look and you're just looking and, you know, it's amazing how many shooting stars there are, by the way. Oh, I saw a caca the other day. It just went blazing across the sky. I thought it was going to hit Matacana Island. So sometimes you've just got to actually turn down the racket of constant busyness and just listen. You know, one of the things that I love to do, even though it's silent, sometimes I'll take My noise canceling headphones that I've got from my previous life, (laughs) you know, when you'd get on the plane and turn them on and they cancel out the sound of the jets. Sometimes I'll take them out there and I'll, it's already silent, but I'll put them on and it's like silent, silent. And you just sit there and in the silence, it's amazing what you hear as you listen. Can I encourage you immediate application? Find time to turn down the noise and listen. I believe He's just, I believe God is always speaking can I encourage you to be careful not to make un, as a third thing, don't make this unbiblical declaration. I can't hear God. Or it's hard to hear God. The moment we say that, we're making an unbiblical declaration. How many of you, like me, have made that declaration? (coughs) I actually had to repent of it. Because John ten twenty seven says, My sheep hear my voice. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you're a sheep. You're not a goat, you're a sheep. He says, My sheep hear my voice. I've arrogantly said, I didn't realize it was arrogant, but I've said things that are arrogant like this. Oh, God must find it hard to speak to me. Because I'm so thick-skulled. <clears throat> Can I suggest there is nothing God finds hard? So I repented. I repented of saying I can't hear God's voice or I struggle or even this little subtle one. Oh, it's so much easier to hear God for other people. My sheep hear my voice. Apply that to your life. Immediately you go, Lord, I repent of every time that I have said I can't hear your voice or I struggle to hear your voice or even... I can hear God for other people, but I can't hear God for myself. All of that is an unbiblical thing to say. And we have to come into line with the Word of God because it's the Word of God that is living and active. Two more things. We doing okay? You've listened to my voice a lot today. You were very patient with my rantings this morning. The Word of God. Um, can I borrow your Bible for a minute, Ashley? Ooh, I didn't break. Mine's on my desk. What is this? Okay, it's the Word of God. This, yeah, Jesus is the Word of God, so somehow there's an interaction between this book and the man Jesus. Somehow there is a man living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, in here. Okay? So this is the Word of God. Is this all God has ever said? No. God was speaking long before in the beginning, and God has continued to speak long after. Amen. This is the Word of God. This is not God will ever say, not all God will ever say, But, he will never contradict it. But, again, he will take particular delight in contradicting how we think we understand it. How many of you have realized, how many times did Jesus in the Gospels say, you have heard it said, but I tell you, what was he doing? He was saying, here is the word, you think it means that, let me tell you what it really means. And he's still doing that today, thank you. So, the word of God... We cannot minimise the place of the Word of God. I I, someone asked me the other day, um, uh, they asked me, "How did I memorise so much of the Word of God?" I'm I'm really hopeless at memorising anything, except numbers. I can memorise numbers. Strange thing, Um, but I can't. I can't like I'm not. Look, if I sit down and try and memorise things, it just doesn't work. You ask my wife. It's why we share our calendar, because otherwise I'd have no idea who was coming and going or where I was supposed to be. So I tried. I tried with post-it notes, and I tried with with memory verses and all this. I tried to memorize the Word of God as a young Christian. Finally, I gave up realizing that my brain was like a swimming pool. So uh, in our old house, we used to have one of those above-ground swimming pools, and during the winter, it would water would usually go green. So I'd empty it out get all the muck out of it, and then I'd go to fill it up again. And you'd put the hose in there, and you'd set the hose running, and you'd leave it running for an hour, and you'd come back, and there was about two inches of water in the bottom. And you're like, oh, good grief, this is going to take till Christmas time. And you'd leave it running, and you'd come back, and there'd be four inches. And you'd leave it running, and you'd come back, oh, now it's a foot deep. And you'd leave it running, and then suddenly you'd forget about it. Hose (laughs) keeps going, word of God keeps going in. Water keeps flowing in, and then suddenly it would overflow. And my experience was like that. I just kept reading the word, pumping it in. I had no strategy for memorizing. I just kept pumping it in, pumping it in. And then suddenly, in conversation or when I was preaching, suddenly the pool started overflowing. So even if you find that you're not good at memorizing things, just keep pumping it in. Just read great, large, long, huge chunks of it. Read entire books of the Bible. If a book intrigues you, like what I'm doing right now, is I'm just reading Revelation and then back to the start. Revelation, back to the start. Revelation one through twenty-two, back to the start. I'm just going through Revelation again and again and again because I just want to get a massive dose of the Book of Revelation until the Book of Revelation starts overflowing. I want to know the. I want to. I want to know the 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 bowl seals, the seals, bowls, and trumpets. I want to know the the horsemen. I I want I want to know all of it. I just I just want Anyway, so you just keep pouring it in. Don't worry if you can't remember it. just keep pouring it in because the if we want to hear God's voice, I think one of the best ways to steward and attract the prophetic word, the hearing of God's voice, is to be diligent in the written word. I believe there's a direct contradiction between between people that hear God's voice and people who love his written word. I believe there's a direct contradiction between people that hear God's voice and have a really good prayer life. That's correlation. You want. Correlation. What did I say? Contradiction. Yeah. Correlation. 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 I've been talking too long. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let me just, let me just give you this one last thing and then really I've, uh, I've said enough for today. If you want to hear him more, can I make this suggestion? Let him choose the topic. Isn't it painful when you're trying to have a conversation with someone and all they ever want to do is talk about themselves? And sometimes I think I can be like that with God. God, please speak to me about this issue in my life. God, please speak to me about this. It becomes like, for example, if you've got a big decision about your future, have you noticed how that can become all-encompassing? It gets like this, like, uh, like, like even like, uh, I used to think that the question, what will I do with my life, was just for young people, but it doesn't go away. You just go through different phases of it. So you get to this place where you're going, Lord, what will I do with my life? And it begins like this, Lord, what will I do with my life? And then it moves on to, Lord, what will I do with my life? And then not long later, it becomes, God, what am I doing with my life? And then it gets what will I do with my life? You know, and it, it just, it, you know, it builds an intensity until all you can talk about, it doesn't matter what God wants to talk about, you just, I want to talk about this. Yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Here's what I've noticed will happen. You say, God, what do I want to do with my life? And you're sitting, say, on a park bench, down at Koolam Park, they're looking out over the harbour towards the mount. And you're sitting down there, and you're saying, what shall I do with my life? And you look at the Pahutakawa tree, and God starts saying, look at that tree. And you go, yeah, 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 good, good on the tree, good job, God, but what will I do with my life? What about if we start going, Lord, what do you want to talk about? Because I've actually had some occasions where I'll say, Lord, what, 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 what are you saying about this topic? And he'll say something about, look at those kids playing over there. And you just start enjoying watching the kids playing. And you just feel like God's speaking to you through their childlikeness, And you never get the answer to the question that you were actually asking. But you go away and you go back. And a week later, you find yourself sitting on the same park bench. And you're looking at the kids again and you start going, Lord, I really enjoyed talking. And suddenly he answers your question from a week ago. See, it's not I don't I have not found that God speaks like this, point one, point two, point three. I've found that he talks like this. It's more like it's a journey. It's not just a list. What will I do with my life, Lord? Well, look at that tree. Oh, that's a pretty tree, Lord. Oh, that reminds me of Psalm 1. Thank you, Lord. I want to be like a tree planted by streams of water. And then a week later you're back there, look at that tree, and you're remembering Psalm 1, and God says, This is what I want you to do with your life. That's just how I found it. Let him choose the topic. I'm more uh I'm more verbal than my wife, you've probably noticed. <laughs> my wife is beautifully quiet and deep and reflective and I you know I, this is one of the things I love about her I just uh, and sometimes when we go walking sometimes I've just got to be careful that I don't just say right let's walk blah 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 boats 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 talking about boats oh look at that boat oh fishing you know and I can just and I before I even realize it well I've done that and I can do the same thing to God what am I going to do with my life where are we going what are we doing about this how do we fix this? You know? So I would encourage you that the way God speaks is, is not linear. It can sometimes be more like a jigsaw puzzle where he'll just say something random to you, which is about as useful to you as a piece of a jigsaw when you can't see the whole picture. Just collect it up anyway. He'll give you that piece. And then a day later, a week later, a month later, he'll give you another piece. And then he'll give you another piece. And then suddenly you'll start seeing how it all fits together. So it's good to have, it's good to have a way of collecting it, be it a little, a little folder in your computer or a journal or just somewhere where you write down the things that God is saying to you. And often at the beginning, they don't make any sense. I talked to Rochelle Hanson two weeks ago, and I said to her, four years ago, your husband told me that I was going to travel in New Zealand again. And at the time, I thought that was ridiculous because I don't travel in New Zealand now. I go overseas and I don't have any contacts with anyone around New Zealand. And I said, and then suddenly in the space of two months, so this happened just about a month ago, from a month ago to three months ago, suddenly in the space of two months, all my available weeks that I'm willing to be away are suddenly full with opportunities to go to Dunedin. Alexandra, Nelson, Christchurch, uh, Upper Hutt, which Tash is very excited about, <laughs> as she is about the Dunedin one. Auckland—I hadn't preached in Auckland for years—and and suddenly I'm going to Auckland. You know, six times in the last four months of the year. It's just—it's just a strange, strange thing. At the time, it didn't make any sense, but I just wrote it down. I was like, well, write it down. I don't know what to do with that." And then suddenly, it just starts to go clickety click. So write them down, even if they don't fit anywhere. Okay, I had a lot of other things to say. Can I encourage you to be be accountable, because hearing God's voice can be a bit subjective. It's always good to have a few people around you. The number of times I've thought I heard God say some things and then realized that I was just being a bit of a twit. I know that would never happen to you, but boy, I tell you what, I'll just tell you one story. After the Christchurch earthquake, you know, when the cathedral f- collapsed, oh man, did I think I'd heard from God about where, what was happening and, and this, that, and the other thing was going on. And I was like, whoa, here we go, this, that, and the other thing. I rang up Peter Robertson to tell him my great revelation. And at the end, um, I said, what do you think about that? Expecting some sort of grand prophetic endorsement from him. He said, uh, well... The earth has a crust, and the crust sits on molten magma, and from time to time the plates of the crust move, and it causes earthquakes. And I realized what he was doing, he's saying, son, what are you doing up that tree? Come back down here. I'm not saying there was no spiritual meaning to it, but I tell you, if I I told you the spiritual meanings that I was saying, you'd be like, I need to go to another church immediately. (laughs) I can't even go to a church with that nutcase. But, yeah, we all need people that talk us down out of the rafters. And can I even tell you, in this room, there are people here that I would trust to talk me down out of the rafters. Or sometimes to talk you up out of the basement. Hey, Annette. She's talked me up out of the basement a few times. Or dragged you up from the basement. (laughs) Yep. Kicking and screaming, No, let me stay. I want to stay. Leave me alone. Get up here. Um, You know, she posted on her Facebook a while ago that picture of the lighthouse with the waves around it. If you look in my office, there's a picture of that on the wall. Guess where that came from? Do any of you... uh, Well, let let me pray for you for the sake of the recording, and then we're just going to open it up for any conversation additions or subtractions, and then we're going to pray along the lines of what I suggested. So I'll just pray a prayer now to wrap it up for the sake of the recording. Father, we thank you that because of your Son, we have an open heaven. And because, Jesus, you have risen, And sent the Holy Spirit. We can now say the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love that Jesus himself said that you will speak to us. You'll speak to us what you hear being said within the Trinity. You'll tell us the things that are to come. And Lord, we thank you tonight. That you have said in your word, my sheep hear my voice. And so right now we repent of any time that we have said, I can't hear you speak. Mm. Lord, I repent. We repent of any time we've said it's hard for us to hear you speak. Lord, we choose rather to align ourselves with your word that says, my sheep hear my voice. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for the hearing of your voice. We pray help us to turn down the volume, to make time to listen. And we invite you, Lord, you you choose the topic. Lord, we say to you like like Eli instructed Samuel all those years ago, we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Mm -hmm. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking, that you are leading. Mm -hmm. And we thank you, Lord, that you would, by your grace and mercy, give each of us ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. Amen.